So last week, on kind of the heels of the message and the announcement about what's going on here in the building, we, uh, I talked to, I, I kind of entered into a message a little bit that I called or I titled an open door, an open door. And really, I was only able to get into a little bit of the material and of the content that I wanted to be able to preach on and, and teach from. So today, I'm going to kind of extend that message a little bit further. Um, so we're going to, this is really deep, but we're going to call this one an open door part two, okay? So uh, let me just start out by opening up the Bible and reading to you out of our scripture that we began with last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and I'm just going to read verses 8 and 9 here. And this is Paul uh, in his letter to the, to the leaders at the church of Corinth. And he says to them, I, I'm going to tarry here. I mean, I'm going to hang out a little longer here in Ephesus where I'm at until Pentecost. And for a great and effective door has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. For a great and effective door has opened to me. And I feel so strong in the fact in these scriptures that God is speaking to us and saying that th this is what's happening right now for us. That God is opening a great and effective door so that his work can be advanced through the willing vessels that are committed to doing his work. And that's exactly what's going on here in these scriptures, right? Is Paul, he's basically recognizing and has recognized and he's announcing that, that there has been a door that God has divinely opened to him and that he recognizes that and he's walking through that and he's going to continue to stay strong in faith and do the work that God is leading him to do. And he's recognized that ultimately what he's doing would not even be possible if God hadn't opened this door to begin with. I mean, Paul is, is aware, as, as we should all be aware in our lives, that we are incapable of opening divine doors. Are you with me? Now, how many people, when you think about your own life, let me just ask you this, how many people acknowledge that you want God to open doors for you? Right. You want to see doors open in your own life, because if God opens the door, how many people know that it's a door that needs to be open? Right. Yes. And so Paul's saying, look, God's opened this great and effective door. And that word door, actually, it, it means a, an opening, an opportunity or like a portal or an entrance into something. And so I say I ask the question, well, what is it an entrance into? What is in it opportunity into, right? Because if God is going to open doors, opportunities, entrances into things for us, then what does that mean? What is it opening up a door into? And you can see as you look at what Paul is doing with his life, that God is opening up a door that's advancing this calling and this purpose that God has summoned Paul to, that he's called Paul to, that Paul in his spirit just can't get away. Away from Paul says in many places, he says.
says, I'm going and I'm bound in the spirit. Right. He's, he, what is he saying? That means I'm wrestled to this calling. I'm, I'm just I'm tied to this calling of God on my life. And it's pulling me. It's drawing me in a direction that I simply must go in. And he and he realizes that if I'm going to walk in my divine calling and purpose, might I add, we all have a divine calling and purpose for our lives. Right. And if we're going to walk in that divine calling and purpose, guys, we need to have God opening doors for us along the way. This is also interesting. Paul says in another passage, in another passage in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, he says, Continue, brethren, earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. I just find this particularly interesting that in the passage in Corinthians, he's saying God has opened a door. And in this passage in Colossians, he's saying we need to pray that God will open a door. Is that, is that interesting to you? It's interesting to me because he's saying I've seen doors open. I'm drawn by this calling, but I need to pray that doors will continue to open. Because if I'm going to continue to go in the direction God has called me to, then there are going to need to be doors that are going to divinely have to open that I have no power or control myself to do in my own strength. And so I am going to resort to prayer and steadfast prayer at that, that God would be the one that continues to open these doors so that we can walk through them and continue this good and effective work that God has called us to do with our lives. Amen. Amen. And so, guys, think about this for just a second in your own life. What can you look back on? Because it's valuable to do this. What can you look back on in your life and recognize and say, oh, yes, God opened a door right there. Hmm. Oh, God definitely opened that door. But if you're like me, and I'm just being honest, sometimes those things fade away in my memory, right? It's kind of like we move on. And we get moving and we got to live for the here and now. But listen, guys, a lot of times we need to borrow faith from what we've already testified to. We've already witnessed God do in our lives already. And if God has opened doors for you and you see that those doors have been opened, you acknowledge them. Might I just submit to you that it would be healthy and profitable for you to reflect and to meditate and to think about those things that God has already done in your life and shown himself out. Because if he's done it before, why would he not do it again? Amen. And there's something about where is your faith? And I've, I've learned this, too, that as I move forward in things that I need to ask myself, where is my faith for this right now? Right. Where is my faith? Not like my, you know, I'm just kind of like optimistic. I'm talking about where is my established faith now in my spirit, man? And much of what my faith is at now has to do with what I've already seen God do. Because I can tell you without any doubt in my heart that if God opened a door for me before, by God, God will open a door for me again. And I don't have any doubt about that. Right? Right? 
So where has God opened doors in your life in the past? Let me also ask you this question to ask yourself. What doors right now need to be opened for you in your life to step forward into the calling that God has prepared for you? Wow. I would bet almost everyone here could speak to that in some way. We need God to open doors, guys. But we need, to do him his, we need him to do him his way, not our way. Here's another interesting passage in Revelation chapter 3. So this is God's speaking, and he's saying, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. So he's saying, this is what I want to say to this church, right? These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. This is powerful. If God opens a door in our lives to advance his will and his purpose through us in this world. There is no authority or power under heaven that can come in and shut that door. Isn't that amazing? You ever guys ever have one of those weird doors, those trick doors? It's like you got to like jiggle it around and, you know, pull it up before it's going to shut or whatever. And then eventually, finally, you got to fix it because it just won't shut anymore. Right. I'm telling you that when God opens a door, that thing is established. It's fixed. It's like it's just concreted in, man. And that door is now available for us to walk through. And there's no man, there's no enemy that can come along and say, oh, I better shut that before they go further in their calling and the, and the thing that God is bringing them to. There's no enemy that could come along and slam that door shut. And God also says, where I shut a door, no no one can open. And I would just submit to you that if God chooses to shut a door in our lives, though it may be painful, it may make our flesh cry out and scream. If God has chosen to shut a door in our lives, it needs to be closed. It needs to be closed. Because God is always interested in what's better for us. Right. And we must trust that he knows better than we know what it is that's good for us. The Bible tells us that it says that God knows the things that we're in need of better than we even know of ourselves. Our trust not must not be in our own strength to say, I know what these doors need to be. I know which doors need to be open. That's a backwards way of thinking. Our trust needs to be in the one who divinely opens the God, the divine doors and closes the doors that need to be closed. But you know what happens? Here's some of the things that we try to do. Sometimes there's a door that's maybe beginning to open or getting ready to open, and, and we want to force that thing along a lot faster than the healthy process of maturation that God needs to take things through before it's really opened up enough for us to walk through it. We want to force that thing along. We want to push that door open quicker than what God is wanting to swing that door open for us. How many of you ever get to a red light? You're sitting in your car, you're waiting at a red light, and you're looking at the other lights. 
you're first in line, right? And you're just waiting, and you time the other light to where the yellow just fades off, and then the red kicks on, and you go before it even turns green, because it's going to turn green. Nobody else? <laughs> Me either. I'm just saying, it's just an interesting example. <laughs> Me either. Yeah. Hmm. I thought for sure. Okay. Huh. <laughs> and... And there's been a few scary moments there where I lay on the gas and I'm like, whoa, hit the brake again. And now I'm halfway over the cars, halfway over the line, halfway behind. I got to put it in reverse. The guy behind me is, it's just, you're like, oh, I'm going to bump into him. Now I'm stuck out here. And it was the other light that turned green before mine. And I was wrong, right? You force the thing along. Keep your eyes out at the intersections around here for me. Black Dodge Dakota. Look out for it. All right. Oh, I do. I do. That's right. Uh, yeah, we do drive the youth around. Yeah. When we do. <laughs> We're coming here tonight, though. We're not going anywhere, right? So. But, but we, we, we seem to feel like we know best. You know, God may show us, hey, there's a door here. He's, there's a divine impulse, a divine leading in our calling. And as we're walking with God, we're more aware of the drawing and of the leading that he's taking us in the direction of. And we see this door and we think, oh, this is a door that just simply has to open. And then what we do is we try to go and we try to say, it's time. Open the door. Right? And push that thing sh open and force our way through. Oh, there's a lot of kids crying now down here back there. Oh my gosh. I am really making a mess of things today. Um, I did. I scared them. And we try to force that door open. We say, but God, I need this now. God, I can't stay at this job any longer. I need this next one to open up. God, you're taking too long. You're simply going to have to make this thing open so I can get in and get through. Isn't that true? We try to force our way through. And God, I mean, I'm not sure what he's thinking at the time, but he's probably just like, Hello, like I'm opening the, just let me open the door. Let me be the one to bring it. You just walk through it. See, that's the thing. That's really only what our part is, is walking through the door and getting on the other side of opportunities that God is bringing to us. That's our faith, our faith. We don't put our hand to it and to try to control it. We simply allow God to do it. And then we move in faith and walk through that. But you know what also? can happen. It's not just that we end up trying to force the doors open and force our way through. Sometimes God can be opening up a door to us. And guys, we simply choose not to walk through it. Isn't that interesting? Why would that be the case? Well, he gave us a choice. Us a choice absolutely. But the door is opening and we choose not to walk through it because sometimes, sometimes we begin to become fearful. We begin to become afraid of what might be on the other side. Because, see, God's not sitting here opening, 
a wall and showing you everything that's over there. By the nature of this word, a door, it's a smaller passage that we walk through where what's visible on the other side doesn't really open up until we've already walked through it in faith. And so sometimes we're kind of like, well, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, th I'm, I think it's God, but gosh, I just... Well, I don't know. I need to see. Oh, God, I don't know. Oh, that's scary. That's going to really stretch me. I don't know. And so we begin to be doubtful and fearful, like somehow God doesn't already have this thing taken care of and figured out, right? But the enemy, he is when at work always at work, right? He's always into destroying the plans of God in our life. And if he sees, ooh, now's an opportunity to attack with fear, he's going to come in and he's going to say, I'm going to try to make them fearful and doubt everything that's on the other side because, man, if they walk through that door, I am in trouble. But if I can keep them from stepping through in faith into this new opportunity that God is opening up for them, then I will be able to hold the plans of God at their life at bay. And we become fearful and then we resign back and then we just draw close to what's comfortable and to what we already know. But guys, the complacency of idleness is never, it's always more harmful than the stretching of walking forward in faith into the unknown. It always is. And if we allow fear to intimidate us or to stifle us or to hold us back from stepping boldly through the doors of opportunity that God opens in our lives, we will begin to live in a way where we are letting the enemy uh, compromise what God wants to do in our lives. We can never allow him to make us fearful about what God has planned for us in our future because our future is always good, right? God never has anything bad planned for us on the other side of the doors that he's opening for us. We just have to accept the fact that we are not going to be able to see the whole picture ahead of time. And that's where faith comes in. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. The evidence is whatever's on the other side is is good. It's profitable. It's good for me. It's going to advance the cause of God in my life. And I am for that no matter what. And he will uphold me. He will preserve me. He goes before me and makes a way. And we know that. And so when, when that faith is more prevalent and louder and stronger in our lives than any fear or intimidation the enemy is trying to throw at us, then we can walk through that door in faith confidently knowing that God has this thing every step of the way. Amen. Amen. Sometimes when God opens a door, we try to walk through and we try to take stuff with us that we're not supposed to carry through it. This is interesting. What if I were to say, well, I'm messing things up today, so this is cool, right? <laughs> this is probably not going to end well, but what if I said, I'm going to walk through this door it's already breaking, okay? What if we say, I'm gonna walk through this door and come on. Sorry, Lisa. Hmm. Well, 
any volunteers for our creative team for stage design? We'll be accepting uh, applications after service today. <laughs> we try to carry things through these doors sometimes that God is asking us to put down. There's no room for that. You, you're not going to carry that through this door to what's on the other side. What does that sign look like sometimes in our lives? It might be our pride. It might be our shame. People sometimes are so hurt and so shamed that they try to go through a door of opportunity that God is opening into a new season. Hallelujah. And they try to carry with them the shame that they already have. And they want to walk through this next door of opportunity that God has prepared. And God's saying, no, I want to deal with this shame. I want to do away with this. The blood of Jesus is just going to cleanse you. This is going to break you free of this. You're not meant to walk around shamed. You've been set free. But we're carrying shame or we're carrying pride or anything else that might be in any kind of area of our lives. And God's saying, if you're going to walk through this door, this small entrance, this portal into the opportunity of effective work I'm calling you to, there's things that need to be left on the other side. Hallelujah. And so I would say, you say, okay, pastor, how do I know that? How do I, what do I do? It's really not complicated. You ask God, ask the Holy Spirit in your prayer time, in your private life with him, in the time you're reading the word, be open and say, Father, convict me, show me of anything in my life that you need to purge from me. And, and God, I am an open, willing person to allow you to do that work because I desire what you have ahead for me more than the uncomfortable feeling of pain of anything that needs to be purged out of me right now. I want to keep moving forward, God, and I'll go through the operation. I'll go through the procedure now in order to get rid of what's there so that I can walk through and be free of that when I get to the other side. Amen. <laughs> Paul also says that he says, after he says a great and effective door is open to me, he says, yet there are many adversaries. Okay? One thing for sure that's on the other side is the enemy is still lurking. He's still lurking and he's still out to kill and destroy until the day he gets cast into the lake of fire. He's still going to be trying to come at us with all of his tactics in order to disrupt unravel, dismantle whatever the plans that God is trying to establish in our life are. The good plans, the good work that God's prepared us for. Enemy wants to kill that. And so Paul says, but there are many adversaries. Now that word many in the Greek comes from the root word poly, which means an absolute abundance of. There's polytheism, right? The Greeks were known for this. That meant they had tons of gods, all kinds of gods. They were polytheists. He says that the, there are many, there are poly adversaries. So guys, we have to be alert. We have to be mindful of the fact that the enemy is wanting to, to, to uh, take us off course. He's going to use tactics to come against us to try to stop what it is that God is doing and advancing in our lives. And if we will just continue 
to stay close and draw near to the very one God who is authoring this plan to begin with, who is opening the door divinely and trust him every step of the way that when the enemy comes with whatever he comes, whether it's coming at us with more shame or guilt or he's trying to get us to trip up and into the snares of sin through temptation or maybe he wants us to become self-righteous like we did something in our own strength or something whatever it is that he's going to bring at us if we're trust if we're drawing close and staying close to God then we will be alert and mindful of the fact that the enemy is bringing something against us and that the authority to step on the neck of that thing and keep that thing down in our lives and not allow it to rise up and actually have some sort of an effect where it moves us off course, then God will open our eyes and show us and he will, the Bible says he prepares the way of our steps. How then can a man know his own way? Right? And so we just trust that we draw near to our Heavenly Father. I just want to be close to Him and intimately in my relationship with Him all the time because then I am so close to the very source that gives discernment, that opens up my eyes to spiritual things, to see the way God sees and to hear the way God hears and to think the way God thinks. As I, as I fellowship with Him in my prayer time, reading the Word, plugging into a community of a body of believers, that sharpen me, then as I walk along, all of the poly adversaries, the many adversaries that will continue to come against me, I can know that I can continue to advance undaunted and unthwarted by the things that God wants to do in and through me. And lastly, guys, let me just say this. It's not about us anyway. See, the one thing that you have to look at and you have to see about the way Paul navigated, the way that he moved forward, all of the different efforts, the different cities that he went to, the different works that he did, the different attacks that he endured, the suffering, all the things that Paul did, he was never, ever, ever about himself. He knew he had a purpose and he wanted to walk in that purpose, but his purpose was really never about him. It was so much bigger. It was about God using him to reach a lost and dying and hurting world. He had what's what I call a kingdom mentality, a kingdom mentality. And if we, guys, will have a kingdom mentality, meaning we recognize, God, my life is to serve you and to serve others, not myself. I know that you will protect me, you will bless me, and you will uphold me. But ultimately, God, I am just a vessel, and you are to use me to reach a lost and hurting and dying world. And if we will live our lives sacrificially that way, acknowledging that it's not about us to begin with, because when we think within the box of our own circumstances, guys, it's too small to get the glimpse of the whole picture. It'll be confusing and it will confound us. But if we step back from a broader perspective and realize there's so much going on here outside of me and my life and my circumstances that God could use me in an uncomfortable situation to actually reach someone else in a hurting and dying place. That God is always doing something bigger. 
here. Those who are set on a kingdom mentality, I am convinced, will often and frequently see and walk through divine doors of opportunity in their lives. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet with me today. As I think about this idea of a kingdom mentality, you know, I think about other kingdoms and other civilizations like the ancient Romans or something like that and how all of the citizens of the Roman kingdom, everyone, it was like there was this enormous sense of, sub, of subservience to Rome. Everyone functioned in society in a different way, but everyone functioned in a way to advance the cause of Rome. It's interesting, isn't it? God, guys, God's kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. Rome was a civilization built by man that's already fallen and more will rise and more will fall. But the kingdom of God will stand forever. And if we have a kingdom mentality, then the way that people were subservient to something like Rome, guys, is our allegiance to the kingdom of God. Is it saying, I don't want to just go to church on Sundays. I don't want to just read my Bible and pray and feel good like I'm doing something. So now I feel good about things. Is our allegiance really that my life is about building a heavenly kingdom? And it's not about me anyway. I'll see great and mighty things. I know that. The Bible tells me that. But it's not so that I alone can be blessed. It's so that my life can somehow be an impact in this big scope of things that advances the cause of building the kingdom of heaven bigger and broader in the way my life touches and affects other people's lives. The kingdom of heaven. Guys, it's an eternal kingdom and our lives are meant to play a part every single day in advancing that cause. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. The voice of God, the still small voice, the whisper of God in our ear as we reveal and unlock the, the wisdom in his word and as we hear from him in our prayer time and as the body of Christ sharpens us in our community and in our fellowship and in our relationships. Guys, we are warriors that are trained and strengthened for this battle that we're in to build a kingdom where there is an enemy trying to stop it. I just want to play my part. I just want to play my part. I just want to hear well done. One day, I'm going to pour myself out. I'm going to give it all I got. I'm going to trust him every step of the way. And I know where I'm headed, where you're headed, there's a lot more of those in our path. We're going to have to walk through them. And we're going to have to trust him every step of the way. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much, God for being so good to us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your sweet presence right now in this place today. God, I ask that you would just begin to tug on hearts right now in this moment, that you would draw people to you, help them to see, God, help them to be convicted of things in their life, help them to see clearly a plan that you have for them, God. Most importantly, Lord, help them to just know you closer and more intimately than ever before. 
And I just want to ask you in this place today, while everybody's head is bowed, everyone's eyes closed, are you here today and you don't know Christ? Are you here and you've never given your life to Jesus? You've never fully surrendered the reins of your life to him. You've liked the idea of church, maybe. You like the idea of religion, or you think that it, it all sounds good. But in, at the end of the day, you've never really fully surrendered the reins of your life to a loving God and let him come in and completely take over. If that's you, I want to encourage you. I want to implore you. Turn away from whatever life that you've been living in your own strength. It will never get you anywhere. It will never avail anything from a heavenly, eternal standpoint. And turn to a loving Father, to a good God who gave His Son so that you could be saved. Receive that forgiveness and receive that salvation now in Jesus' name. Ask Him, Lord, come into my heart today. I turn from what I've known and I turn to you. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to make you Lord of my life. Come, live with me, Holy Spirit, and make me into the new creation you've created me to be. Empower me to fulfill a God-given destiny in this earth that will build your kingdom for that reason I was created and for that reason I live. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, if that was your heart, I just want to encourage you, do not leave here without talking to someone. Talk to me. Talk to someone here. Let them know the decision that you've made. That's, it's, it's absolutely monumental. Guys, the Bible says that when one sinner repents, that all the angels in heaven rejoice. you got to understand, heaven is cheering right now if you just made the decision to give your life to Christ. There is an applause. There is noise. There are things happening in the heavenly realm, in the kingdom of God that will stand forever right now that is shaking everything up because you made the decision to receive Jesus. Is that does that put it in perspective of what it's really all about or what? Hallelujah.